Hello, I'm April Jones, and we at Jones Law Firm care about you, your family, and your well-being. That's why we've put together this informative webinar series to answer your questions about life, about the law, about your family. So thank you for joining us, and let's get started. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Erin. Good afternoon, participants. Hi, I'm April Jones. I'm Jones Law Firm PC. I've been an attorney 29 years. Uh, we've been Jones Law Firm PC for 20 years in Colorado, and we are here to talk about COVID-19 and parenting time. We have a special guest, our own Erin Young and David Collins, the senior attorney with Jones Law Firm PC. Erin, go ahead and introduce yourself and then pass the mic to David, and then we'll get started. Hi, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Erin Young. I obviously work with April here, and I hope that we can answer any of your questions today. Okay, tell them a little bit about you, Erin. I have been an attorney for just about 16 years, actually, so 15 years. Um, a lot of that time was doing civil litigation, but I've been doing family law exclusively for the last five years and I'm more recently I've more recently joined April um, but have a strong history in domestic violence in any criminal aspects with your family law case um, grandparents rights in general all parenting time and divorce issues and she's amazing thank you David hey good afternoon my name is David Collins I'm an attorney at April's office I have been in practice for 15 years as well here in Colorado uh, my background uh, began as a criminal prosecutor, uh, then moved on to criminal defense, have some immigration defense background, and I've been doing uh, family law for some years now. And uh, like Aaron, I do all aspects of family law, uh, including dissolution of marriage, allocation of parental responsibilities, child support, adoption, dependency, neglect, and, and other issues affecting children and families. Thank you, David. So we are here because David and Aaron and I put together the COVID Parenting Guide. David, why don't you tell us a little bit about what our objective was for that? Yeah, our objective with the Parenting Guide is to provide a resource to our clients uh, with regard to the emerging issues around the coronavirus and the issues it's creating for parenting time. Uh, there's been a lot of confusion around some simple things as whether exchanges of parenting time still occur under the current orders of the governor. Uh, and then there's been more minute questions that we'll get into today around the nuances. Uh, for example, if one parent gets uh, coronavirus and one does not, or one child is a high risk candidate for coronavirus. Uh, and so we're hoping to be able to help answer some of those questions today. Absolutely. So I was looking at a CNN article, interestingly enough, and it was, it's titled, um, navigating child custody in the time of coronavirus, which is exactly what we've been putting together. In the article, they have a 14-year-old a daughter, a couple has a 14-year-old daughter. She spent four days a week at her mother's house in San Francisco, three days a week at her dad's house in Moran County. It was about a 30-minute car ride. Um, amid the COVID-19 panic, the custody arrangements were, just became a problem. Girlfriend's father's girlfriend was dating a clinician who works the front lines at an area hospital. 
So this is one of the situations where the parent, neither parent is um, exposed, but they're in relationship with somebody who's exposed. And that is one of the items that we touch on in our guide, because this is real world stuff. Doesn't matter what state you're in, um, people are still having these problems because COVID-19 is national. So what they decide to do here, the girl's father is dating a clinician who works the front lines at an area hospital, and neither parent was comfortable with the possibility of increased exposure. So they talked and they agreed to a modification. What do you think they came up with, Erin? Well, I'm hoping what they came up with was an arrangement that the child would stay with the not with the parent that was not in a relationship with a worker on the front lines. And hopefully then that parent also offered makeup time to the person who was dating a frontline worker for when um, hopefully this thing kind of resolves or flattens out. Which is what we suggest in our guide. Mm -hmm. Actually, interestingly enough, which is why I thought this article was interesting, is they, the teenager has been living full time with her mother ever since because they agree that until the public health threat diminishes, she would stay with her mother because they wanted to minimize the potential risk for her getting exposed. That is what we would call a personal decision. Those those two parents talked and they decided to do what was best for their family, which is what we are really urging everyone to do. Think about what's best for you because that didn't make, I wouldn't, that's not what I thought would have happened. That's not what Aaron thought would have happened. But this father wanted to have the that arrangement, right? So it's, um, you know, no judgment. We are trying to keep people safe. So let's take a look at some of these calls so we can get right on this. And the first question I have here, my girlfriend works as a nurse in a hospital and my ex is withholding my three-year-old son because she thinks he will get sick at my house. She will not negotiate with me when I try to reassure her that we are taking extra precautions. What should I do if she is not willing to work with me or let me see him? Very similar to what we read about in San Francisco. Erin? Yeah, you know, I, my first question would be whether there are any existing orders. So if there's any existing orders, all of the stay-at-home orders very specifically state that you need to essentially comply with court orders. So if there's an existing parenting plan, that needs to continue. That is considered essential travel and absolutely should be complied with. If there are not existing orders, the answer is still the same. It's just that the court hasn't ruled on it yet. Um, if they are, if there are no orders, and if the girl and if the ex will not cooperate, then there's a couple options. I mean, one would be that you, well, I guess now I'm going to kind of contradict myself. I'm going to assume that there are orders, in which case they can file an emergency uh, motion to enforce parenting time, which I think a court would address immediately. They've given us that that clue in different motions that we've had to file that they're addressing these things. They don't have any patience with people not following through. They consider consistency and parenting time to be essential right now. Absolutely. Kids are going through a lot and to maintain the sense of normalcy that they've always had is extremely important. So the parent that is dating the nurse 
they need to take the extra precautions that we've advised, but otherwise they absolutely should be allowed to exercise parenting time. And David, what can you, do you have the, our booklet? Can you direct our, our attendees to what page that would be with either one of you? So we can have you um, read along. And if you have questions, turn to that section in the guide. And if you have questions, just raise your hand and we'll answer your questions right on the spot about it. And so that would be the best fit for this question would be under uh, page seven, uh, where when one parent is exposed to COVID-19, in the scenario we're talking about this question, I think everyone's assuming it's a nurse, she's exposed to coronavirus in her place of work. And so the question is, what do you do when you think one parent faces exposure? Okay. And again, if you have any questions about that in our guide, um, we can talk about it right now. I have a question here. My ex is now remarried and his new wife has, has kids of her own living at their house. I want to keep my two children as a dis at a distance during this stay-at-home order. Can I just keep them with me? No. No. You, Aaron was just talking about the following the current court orders. Assuming you have court, court orders. Um, if you have court orders, you have to follow them. And the current shelter-in-place orders that we have in Colorado specifically state that court orders are to be followed. So you cannot just keep them with you. Anybody want to add anything to that? Uh, yes, we, we are getting a lot of inquiries from uh, people in this position whose children are transitioning between what are now mixed households with an ex-spouse who now has a new husband or new wife and new step, and the children have stepbrothers or stepchildren. Um, and so in general, uh, that's correct. You're supposed to file, follow your current court order. However, if you have concerns about exposure of your child to the virus in the other home, uh, because someone in that home has it or they have a high exposure job, then you may be in a position to ask the court to restrict parenting time until the exposure uh, risk has been decreased. One example of this that we've seen in our office is uh, someone who works in a job where they fly on a very regular basis and still fly on a very regular basis. Courts are a, at least accepting motions to restrict in these circumstances um, to determine whether the exposure to the person who flies all the time is something that's too risky for the children to be exposed to. Now we do have language, and if one of you could take a look at, tell, direct our, our group to turn to the page that addresses that. Aaron, I believe you put together some detailed language where you consulted with uh, people who were on the front lines in the medical field and got some very specific ways that people can protect themselves. And that's what we would present to the court. So if somebody wanted to file a motion to restrict to say, hey, he's, oh, he's at the hospital or hey, he flies and I don't think my child should be around them, you can combat that if you can show that you are taking steps to protect yourself. And that is what we have spelled out in our guide. What page, Erin, and can you elaborate? Yes, it's on page seven of the guide. And, you know, and I put in there that it could apply, apply to healthcare workers, grocery store workers, package delivery workers. It really could apply to anybody, though, that just is simply in a higher risk of exposure uh, field. But some, some things that I was suggested by some friends of mine that they're actually implementing in their own homes is that they're removing their clothing either oh, prior to... 
Erin, when you say friends of yours, what field are they in? Just for These particular friends are all in the healthcare field. So some of them are physician's assistants in a primary care physician's office. Some of them are nurses. Um, some of them are married to, one of them is married to an anesthesiologist. Um, all people that are coming into contact um, potentially with the virus. Um, so, you know, as I, as I was saying, they are removing their clothing either prior to or upon entering their home. And I know that that's kind of a funny thing to say, but you know, if there's modesty issues, you can leave a towel right at the entry and you take them all off and you leave your shoes outside and then you immediately take your clothes. You either start the washing machine or you at least put them in there and then you yourself get in the shower and you rinse it all off. And then, you know, of course, just some other kind of things not necessarily related to that, but you should avoid sharing utensils with your children. Um, you know, as hard as it is, especially with the little ones, we should avoid the really close contact, you know, the, the kissing, the snuggling, and that's one of the hardest things, I think, when you have little kids. Um, but, but really just trying to avoid the really close contact and even trying to maintain that six foot distance at home. And what's interesting about this is if you are a healthcare worker, if you're one of our heroes on the front line, you're not, people aren't taking your children from you. So to, to have the flip and say, oh, I don't want my kid to go to the other parent's house because they're on the front line. You got to think about that when you're presenting it to the court. So the precautions that you need to take are the same precautions that you would take if you lived in a happy household with two frontline healthcare workers. Now, if you are having problems though, then that's when you call us, that's when we talk about it, that's when we say, but they're not removing their clothing, but they're not washing their hands, but they're not um, taking these steps to protect our child. Or if your child is, has a, a compromising medical condition, then that's a completely different um, issue. And that's a section that we have in here as well. So these are not cut and dry or, or set in stone. You've got to use your own good judgment with respect to the facts of your case. Here's a question um, from one of our attendees. My daughter has really bad asthma and I know her father does not take the precautions to keep her safe from this virus. When she was over there for the weekend, she said he took her to the grocery store, took her to the park, even though he really wasn't supposed to. How can I keep her with me during this virus? I've tried to talk to him, but he laughs because he doesn't think the situation is as serious as it is being made out to be. What do we do here, guys? We get this kind of question these days a lot, and I, I wanted to see what kind of answers we can give people, but this question to me, it would be, you'd have to look at whether or not it rises to the level of something we could present to the court and get some the court to take action on. Because we have, I mean, Aaron just filed something the other day and got a response, what, a day later, two days later? The very next morning. I filed it at 10 at night and I had a response by 10 in the morning. So even with the courts um, not letting people come into the court for ordinary business, the courts are still working. They're still issuing orders. Your cases are still moving forward. So uh, this is an example, and that is why we have this guide, because what we want to do at our firm is look at your issue, and if it's something that's emergent, we want to take it to the court, um, or we want to take it to the other party and try to work it out first. Like in this particular case, 
if she has really bad asthma and it's a problem and the virus is a problem for asthma and he is not being cautious, I mean, maybe we would talk to the pediatrician. What do you think, David? Yeah, I agree. So we are getting a lot of calls on this. Uh, there are a lot of children in Colorado with asthma. This is a COVID-19 is a lung issue uh, disease. It, the primary symptoms when you really get it are pneumonia and a fever. And so you certainly don't want a child with asthma to get pneumonia. Uh, for the person asking this question, if you were going to file a motion to restrict dad, uh, you'd want to have a couple things prepared so that they'd be filed either by you or by your attorney with your motion, including some kind of documentation that your child has asthma, right. you know, some existing medical records, pictures of their inhaler or their prescription are helpful, uh, an affidavit outlaying uh, the examples you gave uh, that, you, that April just read, that dad on his parenting time is exposing the child in high risk environments. And the grocery store is a high risk environment uh, it's all over the news how terrified employees of grocery stores are to be at them um, and how anybody who's at risk should not be in a grocery store. Now, so, what about getting a letter from the doctor? If, I mean, if this is that significant, the pediatrician should be ready, willing, and able to write something, right? Would that help us? I think absolutely. Anything from a doctor indicating that the child should not be exposed in any way that isn't necessary to the coronavirus would help. Absolutely. And especially because it'd be a newer document with a current date on it, um, and, that, and that would be helpful. But we are getting a lot of inquiries where one parent is not taking the medical issues of the child seriously, um, and, it, and it's a big deal because as we've learned in the United States, 50% of all cases are under the age of 50. So it's not an old person's disease in the United States. And the interesting, I mean, it actually isn't even interesting. People marry their opposites. So the carefree person marries the conservative person. So you do need to factor that in. The, the personalities that you brought into the pandemic are still your personalities. So make sure when we're bringing these allegations that you've taken into consideration that you guys are different. And let's make sure that we've got some real solid facts that we can go to the court with. We're, we go to the court you know, the instant we need to. Um, we would just want to make sure you flesh that out. Now, I am wanting to remind you or let you know that at the, you can ask questions, push the bottom button of the Zoom screen, click it and type your question. So if you have more questions, click the bottom button on your Zoom screen. So just wanted to make sure you knew that if you weren't familiar with it. Next question, my kids stay with their dad primarily during the week. He is a UPS driver and they are essential during this time. If my kids get the virus and they are, and they stay with him, are they supposed to just stay quarantined at his house? Which one of you want to take that in terms of our proposed language that we believe the court would yeah. sign off on because it so, makes good sense? Yeah, I'm happy to take that first, and then Aaron, you can add anything. If 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 the child is diagnosed with coronavirus at a parent's house, the doctors are going to recommend the child stay at that house until no one in that house has symptoms. And so what you'd want to negotiate with the party that has the child is make up parenting time later when symptoms have gone. And I have a case right now, and I'm not going to, I won't add a lot of detail uh, for privacy, but I have a client whose child caught the coronavirus that was at the end of the virus, then the second child caught the virus. And so the whole household is on quarantine. The other side, the mother of the children has agreed to let the children stay there and not 
file anything with the court and get make up parenting time at a later date. And so it's really essential that even parties that don't traditionally compromise, find a way to compromise now um, for the kids and for your own health. Fighting to bring a child who has the virus back into your home doesn't help anybody. Um, it certainly won't help you. It's a very contagious virus. And if you bring someone who has it into your home, uh, you're setting yourself up to catch it as well. We've even seen scenarios where the immunocompromised parent, we have a dad who still wants the child back in his home, even though he has a, a, a pretty significant condition. So that was a, you know, it just goes both ways. You, you love your parent, your child, but you need to protect yourself. Um, any comments on that? No, I think that dad is perfectly within his rights. If he is willing to accept the risk, um, then he's well within his rights to do so, I think. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's the same as the dad who has the girlfriend and he wants to not see his child until the pandemic is over so he can be with the girlfriend who's exposed to the hospital. We've got a dad who's got a health condition and he is willing to, he wants to be with his child and just try to take extra steps to protect, protect both of them. So that's just within people's rights as long as they're operating in the best interest of their children. Do you guys agree? 100%. Okay, let's see. I was looking at your guide that I received. I think it will be helpful, but what do you do if your ex is not willing to work with you to come to an agreement? I'm, have, I'm having trouble explaining to her that the kids should not be traveling out of state with her right now. You're probably referring to the section in our guide where we talk about out-of-state travel when it is limited or restricted by law, you should have makeup parenting time. And it sounds like this particular person still wants the kids to travel to him. Uh, Aaron, why don't you take it? Well, and, and yeah, there's a lot of kind of additional questions I'd love to know related to this situation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I would say in general, the general rule here is to kind of avoid additional risks and unnecessary risks. And in that case, travel certainly would fall within that category. And I don't know if we're talking out of state travel, I'm assuming we are rather than in state travel. Okay. Then yeah. And so I would say that if it's related to parenting exchanges, then hopefully they can work together and reach an agreement regarding makeup parenting time. Okay. But here it says they can't. I think you need to call us. We need to look at, you know, shelter in place is not you know, how do we manage that? We'd file something with the court just like you did two days ago, Aaron, and we'd be able to say, if you, we're finding that if you give the court a sound answer so that the court isn't having to make it up as it goes along every single scenario, um, the court can very easily and very quickly weigh in on that and say, yes, that does make sense for the child to stay here. This is a pandemic and we can let, make sure dad gets makeup parenting time. So if you're listening um, carefully, you'll see that it's, we kind of hit the same conclusion for a good portion of these facts. Even though we get a lot of different fact patterns and, and it's dogs, it's cats, it's kids, it's emergency room workers, it's lazy spouses, um, it's grocery workers. The, the common response is doing what's best for the child. And if someone's not going to do that, then we go and we take it to the court, but we take it with documentation and we take it with strong facts and we give an alternative, um, give the court a choice 
um, and give the court a way to get make a parenting time for the other person. So that seems to be a key component is that you're not just trying to keep the child forever in an unfair way, but you're trying to do what's best for their health. And at the same time, make sure the other parent gets parenting time because that's still in the child's best interest if it was originally. Yeah, that's just to add to that, if you're the parent that has the kids and you're gonna keep them or in the other side's agreed, you can make sure to set up FaceTime or some other way to, for the kids to communicate with their parents on a daily basis um, so that the kids, you know, they need to have contact with both parents. So that make sure that, way. make sure yeah. you make that available. Right. And, and actually, go ahead, Aaron. Sorry, I was just going to say, just to kind of piggyback on David there, actually, um, the court has suggested in this one case of mine that if video conferencing is what people elect to do or FaceTime, whichever, that it be for a relatively long period of time and maybe a couple hours and then you kind of just live your life during the call and maybe you're baking, maybe you're eating lunch together, even though you're across the screen, um, but you, that you're still kind of doing the regular activities of daily life um, just over the phone. Yeah, which makes sense is what we're all doing right now. We're trying to do daily lives over the television time. Um, so same kind of out of the box thinking for your children. Yeah. PC. I feel so robbed by this virus. My visitation has come to a screeching halt. I'm trying to stay strong being a home care provider and not having the appropriate PPE. But at the same time, I'm desperate to see my children. I don't want them at risk. I'm vulnerable and I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. I did everything the court asked me to do in every way. I'm a rock star, but this virus came right when I was moved to community visitation. I do not know what to do. David. Well, you're in a tough position. I can tell you that we, we have clients who were in community visitation at licensed supervised facilities or with an unlicensed supervised person that the parties agreed to. David, and, can you elaborate on that a little bit for our participants who aren't familiar with? Sure. In some cases, a court can order that a parent uh, be limited to supervised visitation, either by an agreed upon third party, like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, or at a licensed facility where you have someone trained to supervise visits, will supervise the visits. Usually those are once or twice a week for a few hours at a time, where a parent reestablishes that they're a safe parent and then can move on from supervised visits back into parenting time. We always have several clients who are in this position, and right now several of the visitation centers are closed down uh, for good reason. But a lot of visitation centers have moved to online visitation, video-based visitation, so a parent can at least sustain some contact with their child. Uh, and, you know, it can be difficult to keep a child's attention on a call or a video, um, but at least they get some contact. We've heard some feedback like if each person has a deck of UNO cards, you can play UNO over digital video. Uh, anything you have two sets of, really, you can play that game with your child and then sustain a longer call or longer communication that way. April's right. You both can bake the same cake at the same time um, in two different kitchens and have that experience. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't see courts lifting restricted parenting time during the coronavirus, but I do think facilities and parents should be flexible to allow communication to occur via video. If I can add to that as well, I do think that the, if there is 
an alternative. I mean, everybody's kind of got their own separate issues, but if there is another way to have a different supervisor and still maintain the safety of the child, if you can present any option to the court, um, they might be willing to consider it. For instance, if there's a different supervisor, um, you know, if, if substance abuse is an allegation, if you have access to a breathalyzer, there, there are different options depending on the circumstances uh, that would allow you to present something to the court that they might be willing to consider. And that's really what we value. We value listening to the client and seeing what their issue is. Like Aaron was saying, if it's alcohol, can we have you take a breathalyzer at the, at the beginning and at the end and have your, your sister who's a, a nurse or a therapist do the supervision? Like what can we present to the court that would give the court enough of a belief that there are safeguards in place so that it still, it allows you to have parenting time because the court believes parenting time is very important as well. So how can we be creative? How can we look at the facts? Because we have to look at them differently now because these are unique times and come up with things like baking a cake at the same time and telling the court how this is value where, valuable where at another point in time that, that wouldn't be. So don't give up. Let's just be thoughtful and be strategic about how to get you where you need to be while we're in this time. So I have a question to keep our son home and make an offer makeup time. Does the medical decision making kick in here? I know I would be risking being in Oh, this was a long question that got cut up. Okay, this person has sole allocation of parental responsibility, sole decision making. The ex has parenting time on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 and a Wednesday evening visit. This person's proven domestic violence. Um, they had a PRE. That's how she ended up with 100% decision making. Uh, he's canceled parenting time for the last nine visits. The last three due to being sick. She reached out to him to talk about COVID-19, to let him know that they've been self-quarantining for two weeks and he dismissed it and now is all of a sudden insisting on seeing their son. Took him to McDonald's, Sonic, and Walmart with an exclamation point. Um, this mom has a lung condition, so obviously she's concerned about getting COVID-19. She got a letter from her doctor, so she keeps her son home and offers makeup parenting time. Um, how would that work? She's wondering about the fact that she has medical decision-making. Does that make a difference? She knows she'd be risking contempt of court, but this is how strongly I feel about this. Okay, so let's just try to dissect this. We have a dad, he has um, in Sunday parenting time and a, and a Wednesday dinner visit, and he has flaunted the safety concerns expressed by, um, by the, the public health administrating folks and the medical community and has taken the child um, McDonald's, Sonic, and Walmart, which, I mean, is that really flaunting? Um, it isn't for him, but it is for her because she has a lung condition. What do we do here, guys? Well, I, my first response would be that, unfortunately, I don't think sole decision-making regarding medical applies to her own medical. It would, it would really apply to decisions related to the child in terms of his treatment, that kind of thing. So I don't, I don't think that that would kick in here. Um, I would say that, I mean, I guess it kind of depends. Is he taking him through the drive through at Sonic or is he going in and letting the kid play at the play place at McDonald's, which I think at this point is 
probably closed. But, you know, there's kind of some, no, that it would necessarily rise to the level of a reason to file a motion to restrict. Um, but I am open to opinions from David and April on that. Well, you know, I think a lot of it depends. What is he doing at Walmart and Sonic and McDonald's? Is he, is he maintaining six feet away? Is, are they washing their hands? Are they um, washing the, their hands for 20 seconds? Like, are they maintaining proper distances and, and precautions or are they not? Like, how far is he going to disregard um, her and the warnings? Those, so those are my thoughts. I think we need more information. David. Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I mean, one observation I have is you really don't see children in, at the store at all right now anywhere. So mm -hmm. I don't think people who are caring about kids are taking them anywhere. Um, especially stores and restaurants. And I know you can't go in a restaurant, but you can pick up food. Um, the question is, you know, what remedy would he have? And, and that's, you know, so it's not clear what he would file that would immediately get him the kids back now either. Right. Um, so that's a, I think, I think, again, that's a complex case. We probably want to sort through it a little more. Um, but it just sounds like, Anyway, it's unfortunate, but it sounds like father's being unreasonable. Um, really, everyone needs to put the children first uh, before themselves, and it just doesn't sound like that's happening in this particular case. And I think if we were to sit down with you and dig into the case, I mean, why does dad only have one day a week anyway? Like, what is his backstory that the court is already familiar with and has already expressed potentially some amount of concern, and will that make a difference? And, and what you eventually present to the case if you to the court if you were to just keep your child right now. So just more to look into at this point. Yeah, the, the other mystery that we just don't have the answer to is, is how long does all this last? So you may have the best of intentions keeping the kids, and that sounds reasonable for two weeks, but if three months go by, you know, where are we at then? Right. So I would even look at setting up some sort of... Uh, letter communication chain where you said, hey, let's put these precautions in place. Let's talk about what we're going to do and see, you know, what that looks like if he's insisting on disregarding everything and, and if he'll do it in writing or not. So a lot to unpack and, and check out there. If my kid's dad is staying with someone that has flu-like symptoms and my kid's dad is not taking proper precaution that I what do I do? I've already asked the court to restrict parenting time and I was denied. I don't know what to do. I fear for my girl's health and safety. Well, I don't, I, I can't tell from the question, did you file to restrict the parenting time in the last two weeks since the coronavirus has been in effect or is this something that you've done previously? Um, and and in, in, in terms of the flu-like symptoms, is it the cough and the fever also? So I think you would want to get more details. Uh, David, what do you think? I, I, well, I agree with your analysis on the front end. We're getting this question a lot, and I'll, I'll change the hypo slightly. We have, we have people calling us where they say, not only does mom have to go to work because she's in, a, high, she's, she's in a, 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 a required job, so her job hasn't been shut down. The schools are closed, which means she has to put the kids in care because she goes to work eight hours a day. And so rather than having a sick roommate, the kids are being watched by a sick 
caregiver. Um, and so that's raising concerns as well. Um, who, who, can, who can you put the kids with when you go to work? And is, are the people you're putting them with safe? In my hypo, the person that's watching the kids happens to work at a fast food restaurant when they're not working the kids. So they're also in a high exposure environment. Um, with your particular scenario, I think April's right. We need to know what happened with your motion to restrict and when it was filed and how the judge decided to rule on it. Um, but I think these are all, again, uh, can be strong bases to, to limit or restrict parenting time. If the parent that wants the kids has an environment in their home that creates a high probability of exposure. My ex-husband and I share four boys. We have 50-50 orders. Our nine-year-old has a chronic lung disease and is immunocompromised. He's been with me for five days, for my five days. We exchanged children yesterday. However, I kept the nine-year-old with me because my ex has a wife, two stepchildren, and two parents living with him. The stepchildren go back and forth to their father's home. I currently only have two people in my home. Because of his medical history, COVID-19 could kill my son. I feel it's better to keep him in one home versus the back and forth with exposure to more people. It sounds like the people that your son is, are, is being exposed to don't have any symptoms. They're not, they haven't been exposed to someone with COVID-19. It's just that there's a lot of people going to a lot of places. What do you guys think? Well, what I would say is that this is a situation that's probably a little hard to control because even though your nine-year-old hasn't gone over to the other parent's home, the, the other children will be, so they, in theory, could bring it back. So it's not necessarily a situation you can 100% protect against. And it sounds like the other parent didn't necessarily dispute you wanting to keep the nine-year-old home. So that's great, as long as you guys are on the same page there. But I will say, I, I don't think there's a way to 100% protect in this scenario. Well, here's one. If you let your other three boys stay with their father, and you kept your one boy with a lung condition with you, protect it. Now and I have that in one of my cases right now, where the sibling groups. I'm sorry. So I, and I have that exact. Thing in one of my scenarios right now I talked about earlier I have a client whose child has coronavirus the other child doesn't and so the child that doesn't is staying with mom and the child that does is staying with dad and they've agreed that the siblings are going to stay split until the households don't have coronavirus so tough decisions to be made to protect everyone um, and if you want to call us and talk about it we can talk about it and see what some of the other options are because that is a that is a hard thing um, but it might be a necessary thing if you really, if your son's at a significant risk and you can't keep these, you know, keep them safe otherwise. Oh, I think I have some follow-up. I offered to let him keep the other boys. Oh, so she did offer to let him keep the other boys. Sounds like he didn't want to keep the other boys. What do you guys think of going to court and filing to force him to keep the other boys? I think the court might entertain that. That's a little different than what we normally do. But these are different times. So you'd be asking to restrict the children into the dad's care rather than in mom's care. That, and that could, uh, that, that's a novel argument. Right. Um, it is a novel argument. And I, yeah, yeah, it's, 
But these are novel times. I think there's something to that. If you have four children, one's compromised, one isn't, you should, and you have two parents who can provide separately house care, I think you present that to the court. You need to determine what statute that's under. Um, yeah. I, I, and, and that's part of what we're talking about. If you can present something to the court that makes sense, so they can say, aha, this is a concern. This is something I can address. I do need to protect these children. Then we can get some quick turnaround. And then we have a follow-up here. Yes, I filed this week, and yes, they have a fever and a cough. Okay, so this is the, the um, participant who had filed the motion to restrict. She said that children did have a fever or the other folks had a fever and a cough, and the restriction was not granted. Hmm. I would say give us a call and let's see if there's something that you missed or that the court's looking for. I mean, sometimes things are not granted for reasons beyond substance, um, the substance to facts of the case. What, what do you think, David? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's always worth a second look. Um, that seems pretty compelling. You know, it, it, it's county to county and judge to judge. So, you know, there's, we just, there's no guarantee how each individual judge is going to respond. Okay, and, and an additional follow-up on the little boy who has the lung condition and the three brothers. Mom says, we've always been divided, we've always divided and conquered because he was born with a life-threatening birth defect. For example, if someone is sick, one parent compromised child and one keeps the other. He's refusing to do that now. So that's their status quo. I think you can go to court with that. Yeah, actually, because I agree, April. So, and what April's referring to is if you and the other party have a practice that's been a practice as your parents throughout the children's lives, a court can and often will make you follow that. And your practice is to separate the children to protect them um, or to keep the child away from a sick parent, it sounds like, too. Do I need to file the COVID agreement my ex and I come up with with the courts? Um, Yes and no. If you want to just reach this agreement between the two of you and you don't want it to have the, you don't need it to have the effect of a court order because you guys are just doing this by agreement, then you don't. But if you do want it to have the effect of a court order, then yeah, go ahead and file it. Unless your current court orders say that you can make changes by written agreement, in which case read your current orders and follow that language if you can make written changes um, yourself. Otherwise, if you want, if you, I kind of feel like if you're asking the question, you should go ahead and file it with the court, ask the court to make it a stipulation. When is a good time to call? I'm the one that filed to restrict. Oh, okay. Our office is open. We're working remotely. Um, you can give a call now, 303-799-8155. That's 303-799-8155, Jones Law Firm. Um, so go ahead, give a call now. We're denverdivorceattorneys.com and someone can take your call. Okay, so yeah, please reach out. And we are coming up on the end of our time. I hate to leave questions unanswered. If I don't get to your questions, I will. We will make a point of getting back to you directly. Um, my ex does not make my child do his online schoolwork. What should I do about this? I've been hearing that a lot. <laughs> that is a tough one and I will say right now I 
I don't know the age of your child, but I don't know that it will be the, the court's primary concern at the moment. I think the court's primary concern is going to be the safety of all involved and the continuation of um, parenting time. I mean, I, I guess it's something that you know, if he absolutely refuses, then it's something to investigate further. But at first blush, I don't think it's something that the court will necessarily consider an emergency. An interesting point our expert brought up, if you were uh, attending our webinar, uh, I think on Monday, we had a school principal and he pointed out to this a similar question that if your children are like K through eight, their school year is basically done in terms of what in terms of grades and testing and scores but if they're ninth and above they are still going to need to take tests and be responsible for completing courses to get the grades they need to move to the next level so if your child is an older child and they're not being made to do work we may have some teeth there because this could be a have a significant impact on them in the future if they're doing nothing and they're essentially losing a year or half a year of credits like that would not be okay with the court what do you any thoughts on that i would agree with that I, but yeah i think then that's kind of why i couched it with i don't know the age of the children right. um i do think if it's a smaller child an elementary age kid even from what april said a middle school kid it doesn't sound like it's going to be the court's priority right now. However, she's right. If they're losing a year of school or a semester of school such that they would actually have to repeat, I mean, that's a big impact on a kid's social emotional development. And so I would think that the, that the court may at least entertain it. So we are wrapping, need to wrap up here. These questions are complicated and nothing is, is too much or too little for us to discuss. So if you still have questions, just call us, okay? We, we can make an appointment, we can get something scheduled, we can tell, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. So we can um, follow up with you and just kind of see, you know, if there's something there, if we need to file something, if we need to write a letter, um, if we need to just like kind of breathe until we get through the pandemic. Um, so, we're here, Jones Law Firm, DenverDivorceAttorneys.com. And thank you, thank you so much for your attention. Tomorrow we have a Zoom webinar on Zoom, on the Zoom room, on how to put, put your best foot forward in this virtual world. So Terry Rubin and um, Kurt McDonald of Pro Communicators will be here speaking with you, giving you tips and advice. They're fantastic. And then on Monday, we have some real estate folks coming to talk to you about some interesting ways if you need to, to uh, sell some real estate or refinance. We have a flat fee realtor coming. We have someone who's with works with one of the uh, We Buy Ugly Houses companies, and we have a, a, uh, a lender. So that's on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we are calling it Take Control Tuesday, winning in the face of adversity. And we are having NFL legends, Rod, Rod uh, Smith, and he was the, uh, he's a Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl champ. And we have the Tex Houston Texans former G general manager, Rick Smith. So he's coming. So you can imagine he's been managing 100 men at a time. And so they have some great advice on how to get through this, get through tough times, and come out winners on the other side. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And look for the, the webinar. Uh, recording.
Thank you for joining us for this webinar. If you or someone you know would benefit from watching a recording of this webinar or any of our other webinars, they can be found at denverdivorceattorneys.com. Thank you and keep a lookout for future live webinars and I hope to see you again.